Because we testified of God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have died in Christ have perished. If for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are all peop- we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have died. For since death came through a human being, the resurrection of the dead has also come through a human being. For as all die in Adam, so all will be made alive in Christ. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he hands over the kingdom of God, the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed every ruler and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Word of God, word of life. Please stand if you're able for the reading of the gospel lesson. The gospel according to John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Listen for God's word to you and to me. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, followed Following him and went into the tomb, he saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she said this, She turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, 
She said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabunai, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the gospel of the Lord. May be seated. I'm here on this morning to bring a message. A message to you about this amazing day. A message about Jesus' resurrection. At least that's what's anticipated, given the way the church looks. Not too many Easter bonnets anymore. But all the special music and festive spirit and flowers, I think I need to bring an Easter message. But where do I start? And can I match the hype of Easter? That white thing with the big ears? I guess I won't worry about that so much. It is somewhat reassuring, at least to me, to realize that the first Christian sermon ever preached did not register high on the Richter scale. Now you understand there's no manuscript of this sermon, and you cannot find a video of it on YouTube or a podcast like you can of this sermon in a few days, a short advertisement. Every week, Israel Kalb records the message or sermon portion of the service each week and posts the podcast of the sermon on our website. So you can listen to the message wherever you find yourself or help someone who's not able to come to worship hear this proclamation every week. Thank you, Israel. Back to this message. The first sermon was what many of you are hoping for this morning and every Sunday. Short, to the point. So here's the story. When the women who went to care for Jesus' body came back from the cemetery on Easter morning, they brought with them a word. And they proclaimed that word, the word of an empty tomb and astonishing news. He is not here, but he is risen. In other words, Jesus is alive. He has returned from the dead. All Christian preaching begins here. All Christian sermons or messages or proclamation, not just on Easter Sunday, but every Sunday. A little Easter every Sunday as our reverberations, as this reverberation of the Easter miracle, this news stays with us. I had a pastor growing up who was from New Hampshire. And he always reminded us that every Sunday was a little Easter. Each Sunday, we proclaim that Jesus Christ is risen. In fact, we should probably do that call that we just did, that call and response every Sunday. Another very important fact for this preacher is that the first sermon, the first announcement sermon proclaimed, was proclaimed by the woman who had come from the tomb where Jesus was laid to the apostles gathered that morning. 
those, those who were mourning Jesus' loss. So as the great biblical scholar Jürgen Moltmann reminds us, I'm paraphrasing here, if it were not for women preachers, women preachers, we wouldn't have Easter and we probably wouldn't even have the church. Well, you also think, you would think that with this exciting news of the short sermon, he is not here, but he is risen, he is alive, that you would think that that would have been well received. You would think that the preacher got a good review, right? But the actual response, the translations differ, but you can pick, but they're all communicating the same message. The word proclaimed, the sermon, the message by the first preacher who happened to be a woman seemed to those listening to take your pick of the descriptions, an idle tale, empty talk, a silly story, a foolish yarn, utter nonsense, sheer humbug. Why? The woman have come with a revolutionary announcement. He is risen. So why did the apostles miss the first news of Easter with a wave of the hand? And another thing that they had going for them is they were given a first-person account, for goodness sakes. They actually, the, the apostles actually saw that he was not there. And then Mary Magdalene actually saw Jesus. Jesus was risen. They could, she could honestly say to them, he is risen, he is alive. Some have suggested that this initial Easter proclamation was poorly received because the messengers were women. Well, this preacher knows that that may be an excuse, but it's not the reason. For I really believe that everyone and anyone can receive and proclaim the word. Given the time period and the practices and the norms of that society, as we know them, the gender of the speakers may have been part of the reason for the apostles' indifference, but probably not all of it. Remember the story... In the story, the women are confirming a message that Jesus himself had already told the disciples time and time again. Before entering Jerusalem, Jesus told them more than once that he would be killed and that on the third day he would rise again. Either they were not paying attention or they blocked it out and were in denial and refused to accept and believe. When the women came racing back with the news that these words Jesus had given them had indeed come true... The disciples should have been prepared and eager and receptive and believing, at least remembering, right? One preacher put it this way, and I love it. Listen carefully. Instead, the disciples yawned, checked their watches, and wondered when the sermon would be done so they could shuffle off to breakfast. In our case, sticky buns. Maybe the news of Easter was simply too overwhelming for them to believe. Maybe that's it. Maybe the news of the empty tomb, the news of the resurrection, the news of Jesus' victory over death is just too good to believe, too good to take in all at once. One suspects, however, a deeper and more complex reason for writing off the women's proclamation. Similar to Jesus' appearance on the Emmaus Road to the traveling disciples in the story that immediately follows this one. The disciples are, are, are not merely bored. The scripture tells us that they are slow of heart to believe. So they're not just indifferent to the news of Easter. They're resistant. One scholar tells us that a clue can be found in what the disciples are called. The name or title they're given in the story. Initially, the writer of Luke's gospel tells us that the women told of the the news of the resurrection to the eleven. It's the eleven. 
Not the 11 followers of Jesus, not the 11 disciples of Christ, but later Jesus changed their, in the story, Jesus changes their names to the apostles, the 11 apostles. Apostle meaning those who are sent. This line of thought continues. Think about this. If the story of Jesus ended on Friday, ended with the crucifixion, if it really is finished when Jesus declares from the cross that it is finished, all done, then the disciples, this odd group of men brought together by Jesus, can simply be the eleven. And after the appropriate rituals and a season of mourning, they can all go their own way and go back to their life as they knew it before Jesus. In other words, when it's finished, it's truly all done. If the story ended on Friday, then they can be the 11. Alumni of Jesus' school of religion, students of an aspiring, though finally tragic, teacher. The whole Easter thing hinges on this thing we call resurrection, doesn't it? It seems to me that on the surface, any way you look at it, this is a mighty fragile beginning for a religion that has lasted more than 2,000 years now. We thought Jesus was dead, killed, in fact, tortured and executed by corrupt politicians. But the resurrection is where we focus our attention. We continue to focus our energy on that tomb, on that morning, on what did or did not happen there, and how to explain it to anyone. How to explain it to anyone who does not believe, not happen to believe, to believe it at all. When it comes right down to it, resurrection does not square with anything else we know about physical human life on earth. When you really think about it, no one has ever seen it happen. Not even that morning at the tomb. No one witnessed the actual resurrection. No one saw it happen on Easter morning either. The resurrection is the one and only event in Jesus' life that was entirely between Jesus and God. There's no witnesses to the actual resurrection. It's all after he was raised. Preacher and teacher Richard Litcher puts it this way. He says, no one on earth can say what happened inside the tomb because no one was there. They all arrived after the fact. Two of them saw clothes, one of them saw angels, most of them saw nothing at all because they were still in bed that morning. But as it turned out, that did not matter because the empty tomb was not the point. Now get this part. Jesus had outgrown his tomb, which was too small a focus for the resurrection The risen one had people to see and things to do. The living one's business was among the living to whom he appeared, not once, but four more times in the Gospel of John. Every time Jesus came to his friends, they became stronger. They became wiser. They became kinder. They became more daring. Every time Jesus came to them, they became more like him. End quote. Those appearances that turned the eleven into the apostles is really what the resurrection is about for me. Not what happened in the tomb. What happened in the tomb was entirely between Jesus and God. Dr. Lisher again. For the rest of us, Easter began the moment the gardener said, Mary, and she knew who Jesus was. That is where the miracle happened. And goes on happening, not in the tomb, but in the encounter with the living Lord. 
For despite our doubts and our denials, our complacency, our indifference, and our self-centeredness, Jesus is alive. No matter how hard we try to keep the Savior down, Jesus is alive. Even we first world Christians who sometimes think we know better than anyone or anything or anybody else in the world, we know that Jesus is alive and Jesus survives even us. So for me, it's not only affirming, it's also confirming. Affirming and confirming that Jesus is discovered walking daily among his own. Among all who were created in the image and with the likeness of God. That's you and me. If Jesus were here today, Jesus would be walking among the poor, the outcast, the immigrant, the criminal, and of course the everyday people like you and me. More than all that, Jesus expects, Jesus expects that we will walk in the way that Jesus walked. Walking among the poor, the outcast, the immigrant, the criminal, and of course, the everyday people. Some of whom might be hungry, some of whom might be sick, some of whom might be just fine and sitting next to you right now. And how powerful, too, that Jesus is alive among the long-suffering Christians of Syria and the Sudan and Israel-Palestine and Iraq and Central America and in our big cities and metro areas and in too many places around the world where so often simply gathering for church and proclaiming their faith is where the danger is for them. These are my siblings in the faith that amaze me most. In the midst of pain, in the midst of loss, in the midst of death and dying, in the midst of suffering. But in spite of all that, they still find them singing and praising the risen Lord. Because when hope seems to have left the country, so many of these people still understand that he is alive. To rid ourselves of him once and for all, we must slay him, but slay him and he will rise. Thanks be to God. God raised him up, having loosed the pangs of death, for it was not possible for him to be held by it, to be held by death. That's what Acts 2 verse 24 says. We keep crucifying him by our treatment of the poor, by our senseless intellectualizing, by our rank worldliness. Isn't that a great word, rank? Our rank worldliness. You know, the way in which so much that goes on in the world today is seemingly, in seemingly every direction, really stinks. And we we look the other way, and guess what? Jesus keeps rising to meet us, to meet us where we are, and he will not be snatched away. The news of Easter is that in the resurrection of Jesus, one scholar says, God has broken all the vicious cycles of deathliness in which the world finds itself. The lyric of Isaiah 65, 17 to 25 anticipates that weary old heaven, jaded old earth, and conflicted old Jerusalem all will be broken open by the power of God to new, healthy possibility because he is risen, risen, and he is alive. When we face the empty tombs of our lives, he's alive. The losses and the disappointments, he's alive. The heartbreaks and failures, he is alive. The tragic deaths, he's alive. The long-suffering deaths, he certainly is alive. The prolonged illness, he's not only alive, he's there. The loneliness and despair, you're not alone, he's alive. One scholar called all these things The losses and the disappointments, the heartbreaks and the loneliness and the despair, our doubts and our wondering if God is really there, all these are our empty tombs. Those tombs are our Friday lives. And please know that Jesus shares them with us.
But Jesus also shares Sunday and Easter and all the little Easter's and the resurrection and new life and new hope for each one of us. It wasn't a one-time thing, the resurrection of Jesus. It was instead the dawning of a new day and new life as well. And that new life that happens again and again and again and again. He is alive. He is alive and has been set free. So we too have been set free. Free from death in all its forms. Free from fear. Free from despair. Free from apathy. My message to you today, siblings in the risen Lord, we cannot linger in the graveyards of hopelessness and resignation. We must seek the living Christ where he is to be found, walking with us in our midst as we continue to build the kingdom as the risen Lord himself did, especially among those excluded and marginalized and discriminated against. The truth of the resurrection, astounding and incomprehensible as it is, forms the very core, the center of our faith. That Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. All praise and glory to the risen and redeeming Lord, who is and was and is to come again in glory. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Happy Easter. So please follow along. I never know where, where I'm going. I always forget to ask. Where am I going? Over. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs>